0: This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests." Two weeks to go until Christmas, we're halfway through our countdown to Advent. Are you ready? Is your tree up? Is the house decorated? Is all the shopping done? Are the special meals planned? And all the drama worked out with who's going to visit who? Are you ready? No? You're not ready yet? What are you waiting for? There's only two weeks left. And now I'm probably stressing you out a little bit about Christmas, aren't I? I'm sorry if I'm stressing you out, but if the countdown to Christmas is causing us stress, instead of bringing us peace, maybe we should ask ourselves if we're really preparing to celebrate Christmas. So what do we want for Christmas? In the midst of the whirlwind that describes most of our lives, are we yearning for the peace that the angels promised the shepherds on that first Christmas night? And if it's peace that we're yearning for, what should we be asking for this Christmas? Where exactly can we find the peace that the angels promised the shepherds? Is that peace eluding us because we are looking for peace in all the wrong places? That's the question that we're trying to answer together this Advent season. And the quest to find true peace is a quest that mankind has been on almost since the beginning of time. Last week, we went back to the very beginning. In fact, we went back before the beginning in order to discover the God of peace. And as we saw in the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, which I encourage you to go back and reread, before the beginning, there was completeness and there was wholeness in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And out of their completeness and wholeness, they created an environment where man could live in completeness and wholeness. They created an environment where man could live in peace or shalom, which is the Hebrew word that has a much fuller and deeper meaning. God created this perfect shalom environment And he gave us the framework necessary to maintain it. He gave us order and diversity and rhythms and relationships and responsibilities. He gave us all the building blocks necessary for us to find peace. But yet peace so often eludes us because we look for peace in all the wrong places. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, it was perfect. But Adam and Eve questioned God's design for shalom. They distorted, they denied, they disobeyed. And once they did that, they brought sin into the world and that sin broke shalom. And ever since that moment, man has been on a quest to restore shalom in his life. But here's the problem. Man cannot restore shalom. Man cannot fix the problem he created. Because shalom can only be restored by the one who originally created shalom. So as sin entered the world, God begins to act. He begins to act to limit sin's effect and ultimately to crush it. As the Old Testament unfolds, we see God's plan to restore peace unfold. It's a plan that unfolds over thousands of years, constantly pointing towards and anticipating the advent of the Prince of Peace. The advent of the one who would restore order in diversity and rhythm, in relationship and responsibility for thousands of years man was wandering around in darkness wandering around looking for peace in all the wrong places and instead of finding peace they found distress anxiety and fear and that's often where we find ourselves too wandering around in the darkness looking for peace in all the wrong places And instead of finding peace, we too find distress and anxiety and fear because we look for peace in our possessions. We look for peace through our jobs. We look for peace through our hobbies and our vacations. We look for peace in our families and in our friends. We look for peace through health and wellness. We look for peace within ourselves. We look for peace in all types of secular endeavors and satisfactions. But in the end, all of that will ultimately disappoint us. Because whenever we rely on the things that are around us for our source of peace, we will ultimately find distress and anxiety and fear. Because our possessions will get old and broken, our jobs will get terminated. The vacations will eventually end. The kids will grow up. Our health will fail. We will disappoint ourselves with all the bad decisions that we will make. And what we thought would bring us peace will ultimately bring us distress and anxiety and fear. When we look for peace in all the wrong places, peace eludes us. And as Isaiah writes... Then they will look towards the earth. They will look towards the things around them for their peace. And they will see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Now that is an encouraging verse for Advent, isn't it? Right? First we started with stress and now I've taken you to despair. But it is an encouraging verse for Advent, you came this morning looking for encouragement this Advent season, if you came looking for the peace that the angels promised on that first Christmas night, then just stick with me because I promise you encouragement and hope is coming. Why is a verse about being thrust into utter darkness encouraging and hopeful for Advent? It's encouraging because it's the verse before the verse, it's encouraging and hopeful because it's darkest right before the sun. And if we don't understand the darkness, if we don't understand our brokenness, then we can't appreciate and understand the solution to our brokenness. Christmas is about shining a light into the darkness and finding a solution to our brokenness. So I like to get up early. In fact, I get up usually pretty early in the morning because there's just something about the pre-dawn hours that I really enjoy. And for many years, I used to do a lot of running in the early morning pre-dawn hours. And I don't know if this is a universal truth or if it was just true in the area that I would typically like to run in. But in that last hour before dawn, it would get quiet. It would get really quiet. It was like the entire world, including all the nocturnal animals, had finally gone to sleep. The temperature would drop a few degrees. And it was like the entire world got quiet and still and dark. And the quiet would almost become oppressive. Like the darkness was just gathering around you in driving out every piece of life. But just before you thought you couldn't stand it anymore, it would happen. Just before you thought the quiet and the darkness would overtake you, the first lights of dawn would shine. The first rays of the rising sun would begin to color the landscape in hues of purple and blue and orange. Inch by inch, driving the darkness away. What was unseen now became seen. And the rising sun would begin to warm you. And you could feel your spirit lifting with each passing moment. Ever since sin first entered the picture and broke Shalom, Mankind has been stumbling around in the darkness, trying to restore it. But we look for peace in all the wrong places, and it eludes us. We can't restore shalom because shalom can only be restored by the one who created it in the first place. And God has a plan to do just that. It's darkest just before the sun, but hope comes in the morning. Isaiah continues, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The nation had been wandering around in darkness, looking for peace in all the wrong places and trying to solve their own problems. And Isaiah points them towards the solution. That God had promised thousands of years ago in the garden. Isaiah points them towards the rising sun. And he continues. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and for forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Ever since the garden, God has been unfolding his plan to fix the problem. And he's trying to prepare the nation for the reality of that the solution is not going to be exactly what they expect. In fact, the solution is going to be quite counterproductive. Isaiah continues. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering And familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. And perhaps that's why so many people missed it. And perhaps that's why so many people still miss it. Because God's solution to our peace problem is counterintuitive. Maybe we look for peace in all the wrong places. Because it can be so hard to wrap our heads around what peace from the right place really means. God created this perfect environment for us to live in shalom. And now he was going to begin the process of restoring the brokenness that pervades our lives. He's going to restore the order, the diversity, the rhythms, the relationships, and the responsibilities. But it's so counterintuitive how he is going to do it. Is going to do it through a child? Really? A child who would grow up to be despised? To be familiar with pain and suffering? Who would be held in low esteem? Who would be viewed as insignificant? Who would be crushed by his government instead of taking over the government? They thought, and I'm pretty sure we often think, that our path to peace will be found in a better philosophy of government or a more perfect system of legislation. But God says no. God says what you need is found in a person. What you need is found in a person who has the character, wisdom, and power to rule, but who is willing to give it all away. No wonder it's so easy for us to miss it because the Prince of Peace was going to embody all of the things that we think we will escape when we find peace. We think that peace is found in the absence of hardship. We think that peace is found in the absence of suffering. But God's plan to restore peace can only be found through hardship and suffering earthly governments increase through power and control but the kingdom of the prince of peace expands through suffering justice and righteousness most governments increase themselves by war but christ's kingdom expands through peace and peace expands as justice expands and righteousness expands In fact, shalom is dependent upon justice and righteousness. From the time sin entered the picture in the garden, God begins to act to limit the effects of sin. God steps in with judgment, and God steps in with a plan. And as the Old Testament unfolds, we see God's plan to restore peace unfold. It's a plan that unfolds over thousands of years constantly pointing towards and anticipating the advent of the Prince of Peace. As Griffith Thomas wrote, the Old Testament is a book of unfulfilled prophecies, unexplained ceremonies, and unsatisfied longings. And Christ is the answer to all of those. And as Eugene Peterson wrote, Jesus is the dictionary in which we look up the meaning of words, Jesus is both the definition and the incarnation of God's shalom. The Old Testament had pointed to it for thousands of years. And now, at the beginning of the New Testament, we find the realization of that promise. And with the realization of the promise, we're introduced to a new framework for restoring peace. And the new framework is found in a person. The new framework is found in the incarnation of God, Shalom, Jesus Christ. Zechariah says at the dedication of John the Baptist, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those who are living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. The advent of Christ is peace realized. And what he ushers in is a new framework to restore peace in in our lives what we see is that the framework to restore peace is going to be a process. Peace will not be restored in an instant because peace cannot be found in any object or anything that surrounds us. Peace is found in a person and peace is restored through a journey. Are we wandering around in the darkness this morning? Is peace eluding us this morning because we're looking for peace? in all the wrong places, then hold on because help is on the way. It's darkest just before the sun and the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with Christ for 50 years or if you're just trying to grapple with these issues for the first time in your life. We are all broken people. And there are seasons that we go through in our lives where that brokenness can become overwhelming. And it's okay. Because help is on the way. The first step is admitting that we're broken and that we can't restore the brokenness on our own. And this can be so hard for us We live these perfectly curated Facebook and Instagrammed lives. So hard for us to admit our brokenness. But the Prince of Peace came to restore the shalom that we could never restore in our lives. He came to restore the order and the diversity and the rhythms and the relationships and the responsibilities. And what we need to realize is that Jesus is not just a piece of the peace puzzle. Jesus is the entire peace puzzle. If we want to find the peace that the angels promised for Christmas, then we need to think about peace differently. If we want to find the peace that the angels promised, then we need to think about Christ and our relationship with God through Christ, not just as the spoke on a bicycle wheel of our lives. But we need to think about Christ as the hub of the wheel around which our entire lives rotate. Because Christ came to restore every aspect of our brokenness. Christ came to restore wholeness in our lives. Christ came to restore the order and the diversity and the rhythms and the relationships and the responsibilities. And we see this portrayed so beautifully in the miracle that Jesus performed when he healed a man who had been disabled for 38 years. And the story is found in the fifth chapter of John's gospel. Jesus is in Jerusalem for one of the festivals. And while he's there, he goes to a place called Bethsaida, And in Bethsaida, there's apparently a pool that had healing properties. And so disabled people would gather around that pool, hoping to be carried into it to be healed. And as Jesus goes to Bethsaida, he's introduced to a man who had been coming to this pool for 38 years, looking for healing. And as Jesus is introduced to him and he hears his story he asks him a simple question. Do you want to get well? It seems like such a simple question, but is it really that simple? Do you want to get well? Or in another translation, do you want to be made whole? And with that question, Jesus is not just asking the man about his legs, Jesus is confronting him with the totality of his broken condition. As Apollos Tukto writes, Jesus confronts the sick and disempowered man with the reality that his actual condition is the combined effect of his psychological hopelessness and low self-esteem, his social alienation and oppression, his spiritual obstinacy and rebellion. His complete healing is made possible only when all of these disease dimensions are dealt with. Because shalom is about restoring wholeness and completeness in our lives. For 38 years, the man had been a beggar, completely reliant on others to care for him. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be made whole? and his response is telling. He says, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the waters are stirred. Basically, he's saying, this isn't my fault. This isn't my responsibility. It's somebody else's fault that I'm in the place that I'm in. If someone else had just helped me, if someone else had just taken better care of me, if someone else had just given me what I needed. And Jesus responds, get up. And now the man has a decision to make. Is he going to take responsibility for himself? Is he going to take responsibility for his brokenness? Is he going to take responsibility? Is he going to believe and have faith? Is he going to get up? Do you want to be made whole? It's a loaded question. Was the man ready to give up the identity he had had for 38 years? Was the man ready to take responsibility for himself? Was the man ready to work? What about us? Do we really want peace? Do we really want to be made whole Are we really ready to give up all of our brokenness and let Christ restore wholeness in our lives? Do you want to be made whole? It's a loaded question because it's often so much easier to be the victim, isn't it? You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand how much I hurt. I've got no one to help me into the pool. So much easier when we can blame others, isn't it? It's an easy trap to fall into. Trust me. Been there, done that. If my dad hadn't been such a jerk, if my son didn't have disabilities, if my son hadn't died, if, 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 And there is Christ standing there asking, do you want to be made whole? If we want to be made whole, if we want the peace that the angels promised the shepherds, then we have to be willing to give up our brokenness. We have to be willing to give up our hurts. We have to be willing to give up our blame and our shame. We have to be willing to be redefined and recreated by Christ. But you don't understand, we protest. Maybe I don't. But he does. What was it that Isaiah said? He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, he was despised, he was rejected. He was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. We held him in low esteem, but he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And yet we considered him stricken by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We are all like sheep. We have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our brokenness and our sin must be paid for, and the question is, are we going to pay for it ourselves? Are we going to accept the payment that Christ made on our behalf? Through the sacrifice of Christ, shalom is restored. Through the suffering of Christ, shalom is restored. As Oswald says, it was punishment designed for peace. And so the question remains, do we want to be made whole? If we do, then we must recognize the pattern that the gospel writers show us over and over as people came to Christ for healing. When a woman who was bleeding came to him, he said, your faith has healed you. When two blind men came to him, he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. When the leper came, he said, your faith has made you well. And all the miracles of physical healing were simply metaphors for the holistic healing that Christ was doing in their lives. Christ may or may not heal us physically, but he will heal our deep seated brokenness. Do we want to be made whole? Is the question. And if we do, then we have to recognize the pattern. We have to recognize that we are broken. We have to believe that Jesus has the power to heal us. And then we have to ask to be healed. That is the pattern that the gospel writers give us. Shalom is not extended to the good or to the worthy. Shalom is extended to all who are, have broken God's framework for peace. And we have all broken God's framework for peace. We've all broken the order and the diversity and the rhythms and the relationships and the responsibilities in our lives. In the beginning, God created the perfect environment so we could live in wholeness, so that mankind could live in shalom, but we have each broken shalom in our lives. And the prince of peace came so many years ago so that shalom could be restored for all of mankind who would believe he came to restore shalom for you and for me jesus offer of shalom is inclusive he offered it to men and women he offered it to jews samaritans and gentiles he offered it to outcasts, sinners, tax collectors, and the poor. Everyone is welcome into God's shalom community. As we see through the Gospels, Jesus will go anywhere and eat with anyone in order to convey God's unconditional acceptance and in order to bring healing and transformation and shalom. The God of peace sent the Prince of Peace in order to restore peace. What do we want for Christmas? Do we want the peace that the angels promised? Then we have to ask ourselves if we're looking in the right places, and if we're looking for the right person. The Prince of Peace came in order to restore peace. He came to restore the order and the diversity in the rhythms, in the relationships, in the responsibilities in our lives. Have we accepted that there's no way that we can restore shalom on our own? Do we believe that the Prince of Peace can make us whole this Christmas? Do we want to be made whole? if you've answered yes to all of those questions, then get up and walk. Your faith has healed you. And if you've answered yes to those questions for the very first time today, then please come and talk to one of the staff members or one of the elders or one of the Stephen ministers after the service. We would love to pray with you and help you take the next steps on the path of peace this Christmas season. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so gracious that you have pursued us since the beginning of time. You have pursued us with the offer to restore shalom in our lives. That is what Christmas is about. Your constant pursuit of us. your desire to fix what we could never fix. And we thank you for Christ. we pray that we would accept that his work on our behalf and that we would find peace this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.